Welcome to the discussion, Protecting Data in a Connected World, sponsored by Recorded Future. Here's today's moderator, Scott Massioni. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Levi Gundert, Vice President of Intelligence and Risk at Recorded Future. Levi, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, pleasure to be here. And so one of the things that we're talking about today is, is disinformation. It's one of the most salient topics, I think, within the, the election year coming up, within just uh, information in general on the internet. So can we begin with you sort of framing the, the, the whole idea of disinformation? Because this isn't something new, but the way it's being disseminated is definitely new, right? Certainly. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic, as you said, in coming up on a presidential election year, sort of talking and thinking through the implications of disinformation. But really, it, it is nothing new, and it, it's, I hate to wax philosophical, but it's sort of getting to the core of what truth is online now. And what we saw in the prior presidential campaign was real evidence of tampering. Uh, and we saw Russia using disinformation campaigns online, these influence operations really designed to create havoc in in the American electoral uh, system and not necessarily to do any sort of uh, vote tampering or anything like that, but really to just try and sway opinions. And what we saw was a, a sort of systematic effort at creating that chaos. And I think since then, what we've seen online is, is, is really remarkable. And the reason for that is because we know there are multiple nations are engaged in disinformation operations, uh, but we're also now seeing sort of the d democratization of disinformation where criminals are now getting into the game because they see opportunities to monetize these types of, of information operations or campaigns. So we're actually seeing uh, both groups sort of increasing their ability to influence a, a particular topic. And there's so many different tactics that are in, involved in this, but it, it really is a, a fundamentally uh, interesting time to be sort of you know living in democracy with all of these online platforms that obviously provide so much goodness and so many benefits, but of course the flip side of that is they can also be used in ways that we haven't necessarily thought through you know as as, as a nation and a, and a country, and there's quite a bit of unintended consequences that I think we're seeing sort of rise to the surface now. So what does disinformation look like to the, the average person, right? Because, I mean, when I think a lot of us think of disinformation, we think of someone in a trench coat in, you know, a, mm -hmm. a shady parking lot, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, how can we, we see it in our everyday life? So it is interesting. You, you bring up the, the trench coat metaphor, and I, uh, that's definitely accurate. I think what we've seen publicly, organizations like Cambridge Analytica mm -hmm. in the past that were specifically hired for information operations that sort of had a, a shiny veneer on them in terms of you know who they were and sort of putting a, a much brighter public face on what they were doing as, as a company and organization. And I think you know the tactics that they're employing are sort of the same tactics that we see uh, nation states and, and criminals employing now. And there, there really is a sense that you can go into the dark web, you can go into places online and you can purchase disinformation services now from individuals or groups that offer them in a very very granular way so you can go in there and and you know for twenty five dollars you can you can buy a thousand word article and you know you can buy SEA search engine optimization services to propagate that article into news and media outlets and social media and 
you know, the price points are pretty low and it's, it's incredible because you have a full spectrum of sort of services here. Everything from sort of, you know, criminals opportunistically looking to make money somewhere in the world um, down to private firms, right? That sort of put a more glossy veneer on some of the information campaigns. And then obviously you have nation state employees that go to work and this is their job is to influence uh, information in a, in a certain way for a certain outcome. And how does that sort of bump, bump up against the, the, the First Amendment, right? I mean, there's certain people that uh, want to put out sort of propagandistic type information and, and they have that right to do it. Uh, you know, where, where does that sort of uh, cross the line versus being something that's protected? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's, it's actually one of those, I think, ethical debates that is, is it's just very interesting to think through and talk through because obviously the First Amendment is really at the core of who we are as a country. And obviously that protects us from government interference, government retribution, you know, for things that we say, obviously with a couple caveats, but that really is being put to the test here because You've, we, you know, we recently saw even Facebook came out and said that they're now going to start labeling what they consider fake news as fake news. Right. right? And it's very interesting because now you have a company in the private sector that's going to be the arbitrator of truth uh, on their platform, which is a platform that millions of people are using to share information. And so that puts them in a very unique you know, situation, a very unique position. And I think some of the research we've done you know, we have found that there are what I'd call hyperpartisan media outlets that are producing news and information articles, and often disinformation campaigns start by sort of twisting that hyper hyperpartisan news, which is using verifiable facts in a very aggressive way. And what we've seen is that it's very easy to then sort of piggyback on that to start disinformation campaigns that take some of that hyperpartisan news and really sort of take it even further uh, into a, to a place where objectively it's not true anymore. And so it, it has been very interesting to sort of watch because to your point, we obviously care deeply about the First Amendment. It's core to who we are. But I think companies now feel a responsibility to really start doing a better job of at least trying to police some of the content that they know is obviously fake on their platforms. And, and how are they bringing in certain technologies to enable themselves to do that? You know, I mean, is AI helpful for that? Artificial intelligence is helpful. There was actually a paper that was released, I believe, late last week, where the authors of this paper basically said that artificial intelligence is demonstrably good at detecting artificially generated content. Meaning, there, if a bot writes an article Artificial intelligence can detect that a bot wrote it, but artificial intelligence is not good at sort of delineating what is true and what is not true. Hmm. So unfortunately, I don't think that right now technology is not going to be a fundamental participant in sort of arbitrating what's truth here. Um, it can obviously help us determining on social media which accounts are probably fake or which accounts are participating in disinformation campaigns. So it turns out that artificial intelligence is very good at identifying content that's been artificially generated by something like a bot, not a human. But artificial intelligence is not ready for prime time in terms of actually delineating whether the content is true or not. 
Great. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some trends and disinformation and possibly how you can protect yourself. My guest today is Levi Gundert, Vice President of Intelligence and Risk at Recorded Future. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion Protecting Data in a Connected World, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Protecting Data in a Connected World, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Levi Gundert, Vice President of Intelligence and Risk at Recorded Future. I'm your moderator, Scott Mastioni. So Levi, we were talking about you know, what disinformation is. What kind of trends are you seeing at Recorded Future uh, within disinformation on things like Facebook or just throughout the, the internet as a whole? So we see, we see multiple countries that are actively launching and maintaining influence operations. And we actually put out a, a blog a couple months ago talking about some of the differences between tactics and, and what China's doing, what Russia's doing, what Iran is doing. And they all have different purposes. They all are attempting to achieve different outcomes with their disinformation campaigns and, and the influence operations. So, you know, if you look at what Russia's doing, again, they're, they're really trying to sow some discord and, and sow seeds of doubt within how, how we sort of process information, how we trust information, you know, what we do with that information, um, which is very different from China, which has very different objectives in terms of what they want to achieve, which are much more aligned with sort of um, economic outcomes, and especially now, obviously, given the the trade disputes, they have a lot more incentive to use these types of, of informational tools uh, to try and influence voters in, in certain directions and certain ways that are going to help them achieve uh, their outcomes that are more tied to, to economics. Um, and you know, we also see Iran involved in this type of, of activity as well, and they've actually managed to fly somewhat under the radar, but there has been a lot of public reporting actually on, on some of their campaigns. So. Um, it is interesting to sort of watch these these campaigns on an ongoing basis, and then of course, you know, we expect the activity to ramp up going into an election year sure. in in twenty twenty. So, you know, you, you talked about voter uh, influence. Is it only just vo uh, voter influence, or are they trying to sort of? change things in other ways too. I think that one of the best examples I can think of is maybe in journalism, you know, you, you kind of uh, tear down a, an institution or a, a, you know, something like the New York Times or the Washington Post and then people say, well, you know, they got this one thing wrong, how can we trust them in, in other ways, right? Uh, are they trying to do that as well? I think so. I think, you know, that's a great question. I think that's part of undermining our systems uh, in the United States. It, it really, I think everything is fair game. And I think there's probably still some innovation to come in terms of how they think about the ways that they, they undermine our processes and our sources of information and you know, our democratic process, unfortunately. And there's, there's so many ways that they attack this. So you know, we talked about obviously creating fake articles, um, but it's not, it's not just the written word, it's media, it's pictures, it's videos, it's doctoring, it's, it's changing. 
um, deep fakes, you know, it's not just constrained to the written word. And that's kind of the scariest part is now as a consumer, when you're on social media or you're even on a mainstream uh, news site, sometimes there's a question, you know, am I listening or watching or reading something that is not true? Right. And I think you know that has really been the the point and the goal of Russian information operations for a long time, and the digital age has sort of accelerated their ability to influence there. So it is it is actually very disconcerting because you're just you're you're, you're never going to be as confident, uh, even looking at a video that you would assume is is a, a legitimate video and hasn't been doctored. So. There, there's tactics and techniques like that. Um, there's a lot of micro-targeting that goes on. Obviously, social media is a fantastic platform for micro-targeting where you can reach very specific demographics of people and you can target them with, with very few false positives. Um, everyone that you're targeting on the platform is who you're trying to reach. And I think, you know, we haven't specifically seen this, but you, you think about the, the amount of people that vote on things like local propositions on the ballot you can imagine that if there were specific micro-targeting around specific ballot initiatives, where the voter turnout in certain you know smaller smaller towns or cities is only a couple thousand people, being able to to sway perception or opinion on some of those smaller issues could have a real material impact. And I think we you know we talk a lot as a nation about sort of tampering with actual voting systems, and we talk about some of the dangers and risks inherent in e-voting and e-voting systems, and you know rightfully so. But I think this is actually disinformation and, and these, these influence operations are actually much more insidious and a much larger problem than, than voting machine tampering. Um, if you think about you know, tampering with voting machines, you have to do it on a, on a pretty large scale, generally, to impact the outcome of an election. Uh, but with disinformation and, and these influence operations, you can achieve your, your outcome um, in, a, in a very insidious sort of way. So we all have the crazy uncle who sends the email uh, that has a thousand people forwarded on it and, and, and you know, CC'd on it. And that's pretty easy to identify as something that's probably not, not real, right? But when you're on Facebook, when you're on you know, Google, how can you be a critical thinker and, and find out that you know, this is maybe something that might not be truthful? Sure. So it is interesting because you're, it's interesting we've actually seen some instances where foreign nation disinformation campaigns actually cross or intersect with local domestic groups that sort of have the same policy agenda. So, mm -hmm. for instance, gun rights is an issue that is extremely polarizing, and that's where you'll see a lot of people online that will uh, be using you know, specific media to try and you know, push the agenda one way or another and we'll actually see an intersection with foreign influence operations that basically piggyback on or amplify that same message because it, it happens to suit their purpose at the time. So you actually get some level of ampli amplification sometimes just between foreign influence operations and domestic groups right, that just happen to sort of be on the same trajectory uh, at, at that period of time. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll go into some more ways that you can protect yourself and be a critical thinker. My guest today is Levi Gundert, Vice President of Intelligence and Risk at Recorded Future. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion Protecting Data in a Connected World, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion protecting data in a connected world sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Levi Gundert, Vice President of Intelligence and Risk at Recorded Future, and I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. So before we went to a break, we were talking a little bit about how you can protect yourself. You're saying that uh, some um, disinformation groups will embed with polarizing groups. So when you're reading an article online or you're looking at something, uh, you know, a meme or anything like that, how can you uh, be a critical thinker and know, uh, you know, what is information and what is disinformation? That's a great question. I think if you're on social media, the first thing you have to do is just take a step back from the social media platform and sort of ask yourself, where did this article originate? It's interesting, we see some of the tactics use domains that are very similar to legitimate media outlets will be used in some of these campaigns. So the name will look or sound familiar even though it's actually slightly different than mm. the legitimate domain. So it's important to sort of understand where's the source here. And then it's always good to try and cooperate with at least one or two, what I would call real media institutions or organizations that generally have pretty high standards in terms of the way that they report, the way that they dig into facts, the way that they cooperate, you know, those sorts of things. And it is getting trickier and trickier to sort of define what a legitimate media organization is. and. I think that's part of the problem, but I think when you're online, and especially when you're in sort of the echo chamber that is a social media platform, it's really important to sort of think through whatever you're reading or you're watching or you're hearing, there, there is a, a very legitimate potential that it's not either not real or it's not truthful. Right. And, and I mean, it sounds like really a, a good opportunity to listen to Federal News Network, honestly. <laughs> I didn't cut that, I'm just kidding. Um, but. Um, uh, when it comes to larger organizations, uh, you know, they're also affected industry, uh, government agencies. How can they work together to, to kind of stamp this out as well? Yeah, so when you talk about digital risk, this is definitely something that we at Recorded Futures see sort of permeating that, that topic for operational defenders and information security really need to think through how are you monitoring for new domains that are being registered that may attempt to mimic your brand that may attempt to engage in some sort of disinformation uh, using something close to your brand. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really important to be monitoring open sources and social media, obviously for things like sentiment analysis around your brand, but also looking at things like domains and what's being registered and who's using them and what's sort of happening subsequent to those domains being registered. You can imagine that right now, if criminals are offering disinformation as a service and it's sort of being democratized for anybody to use, you can imagine that there may be more and more companies or organizations that decide to use those types of services. And maybe they don't go into the dark web to actually find those services. Maybe they're using companies, again, that put a little bit more of a, a legitimate veneer on it. But you can imagine that if company A starts to spin up campaigns against company B, 
in a sort of knowingly malicious way, you know, you, you want to be able to identify and, and detect those. And obviously, in-house counsel would most likely want to get involved in, in potentially taking action. The things on the the internet, so properties like domains, those are those those things can be taken down. And I think that's really where you need to have a, a proactive stance as as an organization to realize that uh, you could be targeted for for those types of. Uh, information operations. So that's when you look out for, you know, whitehouse.org instead of .gov and, and things like that. Exactly. And, and what are the options for prosecuting, especially when it goes across international lines and, and, you know, I mean, it seems like it's very messy. It is, and I, I think it's very difficult to prosecute something like that when you first have to obtain attribution for who's actually behind it. It takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. Um, and then, to your point, if attribution is in a foreign country, it's going to make any sort of criminal prosecution very difficult, especially because in some of these other countries, there are no laws being broken. So it, it, it's quite a, a gray area. And I think, you know, even in our own country, you're looking at the criminal code, you know, you, I think you'd be hard pressed on some of this to find district attorneys or assistant United States attorneys that, you know, have very black and white interpretations of, of what's going on here with influence operations. So it sounds like a, a lot of the options that, that the government has and industry has is, is really uh, preventative and, and informing people correctly, right? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, what are sort of the next steps that, um, you know, the government and industry can, can kind of take? I mean, um, you know, should they have training campaigns? Um, should they, um, you know, work together in different ways, share information about, uh, you know, actors and things like that? Yeah, I think, you know, that's where threat intelligence really comes uh, to the forefront. And, you know, we talk again about digital risk a little bit, but threat intelligence is really, I think, first and foremost, one of the, the tools in the toolbox that's going to allow organizations to have better visibility into who may be targeting them or, you know, what may be going on at any point in time, you know, especially with online platforms. And I think, you know, that's where Recorded Future is, is very involved in trying to bring um, better and deeper data into threat intelligence capabilities, you know, for these organizations, um, so they can have better visibility, and you know, they can have the playbook on standby, you know, which is is sort of documenting the steps you're going to take when you do identify um, these types of disinformation campaigns. And are these different these disinformation campaigns? Do they have issues with cybersecurity as well? I mean, are you more uh, apt to maybe get a virus or you know find your way into a phishing campaign when you're doing these, uh, looking at these kind of articles? So I don't think we've seen a, a super strong nexus between cyber harm uh, or impacting you know networks in, in a malicious way. I think there are obviously separate campaigns mm -hmm. that are run by the same organizations at a national level. Uh, in, in foreign countries, but there, we haven't seen the intersection between disinformation and malicious code. Great. Well, Levi, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you. really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Great. I'd like to thank my guest again, Levi Gundert. He's the Vice President of Intelligence and Risk at Recorded Future. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, and you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Recorded Future. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Protecting Data in a Connected World, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector.